back on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and let's say hello to Jeremy Clark, the publisher for hornfrogblitz.com, part of the 247 Sports Network. Before we get to Jeremy, guys, please take a moment out, leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. That would help us out tremendously. We're still giving you shows each and every week, even during the uh, downtime. So if you could take 30 seconds out, leave me a rating and review, and we'll send you a uh, free Heartland College Sports koozie, by the way, if you do that. Just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for that, guys. Uh, Jeremy, appreciate you coming on as always, man. Great to talk to you. And first off, how is everything going down there in the uh, Fort Worth area? You know, it's going about as good as it can. Uh, you know, people are getting used to staying at home. I've fortunately been able to work from home for about 10 years, so it's not anything really new to me. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're still praying for everyone's safety and praying for everyone's health and to overcome this pandemic and get back to a little bit of normalcy, I guess you could say. I think everyone's just kind of getting the people that are in at home are kind of getting some cabin fever. They want to go out. They want to go eat. They want to see their family. They want to see their friends. But it's no different down here in Fort Worth than it is anywhere else in the country. We're just all praying to try to get through this. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Jeremy, take us through from a TCU perspective. Uh, did, had they started spring practice yet? Had they already gotten underway? By the t- I think they had, right? Yeah, it's, it, it is crazy, uh, Pete, because they had just got started. Um, the first, I, I believe their first practice was actually uh, February 28th. And, but the bad thing about it was they only got four practices in before they went to went on spring break. And then while they were on spring break was, is when all of this started coming down where the NBA was canceling the season and the big, you know, other big sports were canceling some of their events. And then the big 12 and other conferences throughout the country were canceling spring events and spring sports. And, and so really they only got four practices and, it it really wasn't. If you ask Coach Patterson, it really wasn't a practice because during that time, basically all they're doing is teaching phase. They're basically in shirts and uh, shorts and, and helmets, and they're not really going full pads. I think they might have went full pads this one time. So, if you ask him, he would tell you they didn't get a spring. Interesting. So, I mean, they got four more though than plenty of other programs in the Big Twelve, right? So, uh, when you look back on that time, I mean, you know, there's there's some new faces there. They're trying to rework through an offense, of course, with Jerry Kill basically leading the way. Is there anything to take out of what they did, or is it just like some guys met in pad, or not even in pads, and went over some playbook stuff? Well, I think the the big part was really having meetings and, and everything going up to that point. You had, you, of course, your off season. You give it, your athletes a chance to to get bigger and faster, and then you have a chance to to meet with them during the course of a week. And really, for Jerry Kill coming in and kind of revamping the offense, and not not really revamping the offense as far as what they're doing schematically, but just kind of giving it a different sense of direction. Uh, Doug Meacham joining the staff is obviously a big boost for them as well uh and and i think the first few practices and really the meetings were just trying to gather how they're going to do this thing moving forward and people i spoke with that that had a chance to go out to some of the practices said that it looked like sonny cumby was still calling plays but meacham obviously had some input and jerry kill was out there kind of being the big brother of the offense and anyone that's been around tcu's program or been to their practices as long as gary patterson's been around it, you don't really see coaches snapping back at Gary Patterson, especially not as assistants. But 
with Jerry Kill, it's it's his best friend. And what do best friends do? They bicker back and forth like brothers sometimes. And that's really some of the reports I was getting out of spring camp that Jerry Kill seemed to be a voice in that offensive team room to, to really give those guys motivation and give them confidence just moving forward. Uh, they know they got a big task ahead trying to revamp that offense, try to improve it. And it, it's unfortunate they only got four practices in, but I think the time since Jerry's been on campus in January has been really invaluable so far. No doubt about it. Jeremy Clark is joining us, Horn Frog Blitz. So, uh, Jeremy, I am fascinated by what you were just talking about around the offense because, you know, you have Sonny Cumbie staying on as the offensive coordinator, of course, used to be co-OC with Doug Meacham. Meacham leaves. He comes back, throw in Jerry Kill, as you mentioned, one of Gary Patterson's best friends, kind of the head coach of the offense with Cumbie still calling the plays, but Meacham having some input. I mean, I'm exhausted just putting that all together. It's kind of like old lovers divorcing, getting back together, but now there's like there's a third partner in the mix. I mean, this is this can either work out really well or it could be like explosively horrible. Well, if you just speaking in particular about Sonny and Doug before when they worked together, it really it really worked out. I mean, if people go back and watch 2014, 2015, the first two years those guys were together, the offense was brilliant. I mean, it was great. It was clicking on all cylinders. Now, it helps that you had a guy like Trevon Boykin and, and a receiver like Josh Dotson that were making big plays for them uh, offensively through the air. Mm-hmm. Jerry Kill is the difference. And really, the thing that Gary talked about when he brought on Jerry, and, and other people have said the same thing. I've even spoke with people that cover, cover uh, Virginia Tech. He's a fixer. Everywhere he's gone, he's he's done something to improve a program, whether it's just day-to-day operations, uh, off-season, and, and really offense. And, and if you ask anyone that any of the fans up at Virginia Tech, and they would, th- those guys would be really good to talk with about what Jerry Kill was able to help Justin Fuente with. Justin Fuente did not want to lose Jerry Kill. I mean, that is that is something that really he didn't want to lose Jerry Kill, and the fans didn't want to lose Jerry Kill because they knew when he came on board that there was an immediate response from the Virginia Tech players on the offensive side of the ball, and they improved. I think they went something like six and one, or six and two, seven and two, something around that neighborhood when Jerry Kill joined the program. I mean, he totally revitalized everything. And I'm not sitting here saying TCU's going to go eleven and eleven and one next year, and they're going to be the best offense in the Big Twelve. But it certainly helps when you've got a guy that has a proven track record. He's a veteran coach. He's got years and years of experience. He's a guy that can, when you see Gary Patterson yelling at Sonny Cumbie on the sidelines, he's a guy that can push Gary kind of to the side and, and Jerry become that guy between those two coaches and be like, Gary, this is my offense. This is why you brought me on here. Let me do my job. And and that's becoming the voice of reason for them. And that's, that's the big thing that makes those coaches more confident in what they're doing. And I think that's going to be the biggest boost as far as uh, bringing Jerry Kill on. So when you look at this then, Jeremy, and, and you're looking at this roster and you're saying to yourself, okay, where where is this team going to go on the offensive side of the ball? Because that's where the biggest question marks are, obviously. Are you buying into uh, Max Duggan as the guy for the next uh, two, three years who's going to be there and, and be the quarterback and is going to be solidified in place? Or, you know, are there other options there, whether it's, uh, you know, the transfer, Matthew Baldwin or, or Downing or somebody else? 
I'm a believer in Max. Uh, if you look at last year, he started the season off great. I think he threw like 143 passes before he even threw an interception, and everyone was thinking he was the greatest thing since sliced bread down at TCU. The, the, the way he finished the season was a, a little worrisome. He did throw uh, some forced passes. They, they weren't moving the ball uh, real effectively with him. But you also got to remember the offensive line wasn't really good in front of him. He was running for his life in a lot of those games. And, and I go back, I, I, I kind of look at it from a perspective of how was Andy Dalton, how was Trevon Boykin, how were they, those guys as freshmen, even Kenny Hill, when Kenny Hill just transferred into the system as a junior. Max actually had a better year than all three of those quarterbacks uh, in his first year under center. And you got to remember, he's a true freshman. He's coming from Iowa. No offense to players in Iowa. They're, they're producing recruits, you know, at higher numbers each year, it seems. But I was not the best competition for a, for a quarterback to come straight from the high school level and face Big 12 defenses. Yeah. And so he was kind of learning on the fly. He's extremely athletic. He's got a he's got a better arm than a lot of people give him credit for. I will say that. Uh, I've covered the team for 15 years and his arm just just going back and watching these guys at the at the same uh, time in their career, he's got a stronger arm than Andy Antrebon. So I'm I'm really excited to see what he could do. Jerry, when we briefly talked to him since he's been on campus, we asked him, what do you see in Max Duggan? Is he a guy that you feel can lead this offense? And Jerry spoke volumes about him. Says he's got a great arm. Uh, the, the one thing that everyone around the program talks about, whether it's coaches or players, they all talk about Max's maturity. And he, he plays beyond his years. Yeah, he made some freshman mistakes last year, but he's very calm. He's very collected. He, he doesn't get rattled too badly. And that's something that you really don't see from young quarterbacks. You get that deer in headlight looks, but that's something Max really didn't, didn't do a lot. And that's the, that's the thing that you ask the offensive teammates, hey, how did Max act in this particular situation? Oh, he was, he was awesome. He was calm. He didn't do anything. He, he, didn't, he didn't look rattled. He didn't look, he didn't look nervous at all. And that's what you got to have as a young quarterback. You got to have the confidence not only from your coaches but from your teammates. And that's one thing that the people just they speak volumes about Max in that regard. We are being joined by Jeremy Clark, Horn Frog Blitz here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. So, you know, you look at this past season, then Jeremy, and a lot of us thought it would be a good bounce back year because that's just how Garrett Patterson has done it. If he has a year where he's five hundred, he bounces back with a big, you know, double digit win year. Maybe that wasn't fair since he was working in the true freshman quarterback. But now you look at the past two years, and it's a 12-13 and 13 record. The defense has been fine. There have been questions on the other side of the ball. As you look ahead now to 2020, I mean, is, is this the year where you get that double-digit win bounce back, or should expectations be more in the 7-9 to nine win range? You see, I was one of those guys last year that was – that was predicting bounce back. So I don't want to, I don't want to dig myself another hole here. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to be more realistic because I'm, I'm looking at it from a whole perspective this time around. Do I think Max is going to play better? Yes, I do. I think he's got a, a year of experience. He's going to be better. The, the thing that worries me the most right now, Pete is, is the offensive line up front. They, they lost their two starting tackles. They lost a, a really good left guard. Um, they, they don't have a lot of experience up front. Um, there, there's there's a great transfer they got from Colorado State, T.J. Storman, that's probably going to come in and, and, and be that guy at left tackle. But they're still looking for some, someone at right tackle. They need a left guard. They, little, they need a little bit more consistency at center and obviously at right guard. 
that's the that's the big question for me offensively. And you have to replace Jalen Wright. I mean, that's that, you're 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 losing out on one of the most explosive weapons, not only in the Big Twelve but the entire nation. Now they do have some younger guys coming in. They signed a really really good class of uh, 2020 recruits. Can they come in and play as true freshmen right away and, and be major uh, contributors? I don't know, but they certainly have the talent to. But defensively, as long as Gary Patterson's on that sideline, they're always going to be good. Yeah, they lost Jeff Gladney. They lost Ross Blacklock, but they still return a core of their, their defensive leaders. Garrett Wallow led the Big 12 in tackles last year. They've got two of the best safeties, not only in the Big 12, but the entire nation with uh, Trevon Merrig and, and Ardarius Washington. That's That's – a really, really good start to your back seven. But the thing that I would say gives me the most optimism is their schedule. They play Oklahoma at home. They play Oklahoma State at home. They play Iowa State at home. They only leave the state of Texas three times. They've got to go on the road to Cal. They've got to go to West Virginia. And they've got to go to Kansas. Mm-hmm. Other than that, their road games are down to Texas, which they've proven time and time again they can win in Austin they go down to Baylor they can they can win at Waco um, Kansas State's another game where they get at home this year uh, Kansas State surprised a lot of people last year in conference so I think the schedule with them playing at home it, it, it reminds me a lot of 2014 to be honest with you because this year they struggled but I think they lost five of six games by uh, a touchdown or less six points or less so they were in pretty much every game they were they were playing except the Iowa State game in Ames. But I, I think if they could just find some help up front, be more consistent on offensive line, I think they could potentially become a, a seven, eight, nine win season. So Jeremy, then as as we look ahead and hopefully we're sitting here in the fall and we've actually got college football to watch and to go to games and everything else. I mean, uh Chris Fowler, ESPN's talking about playing the season in the spring. They're talking about playing the season without fans. Uh, how damaging do you think that would be to the sport of college football if the season has to be moved, shortened, or have no fans? Well, for the schools, it would be, Yeah. oh, man, you don't even know how to comprehend it. I mean, they'd be losing millions just from gay fees and um, everything else, but TV wise, you'd, you'd you'd probably have the highest you'd have the highest ratings you've ever seen in college football. Uh, I'm I'm kind of with uh, you know you've just been hearing so many different scenarios where maybe they start in spring, maybe they start a month later, maybe they start in October or November. Uh, I I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen, and I really you just like I said earlier, I just keep praying everything gets back to some normalcy. Uh, would it be shockingly <laughs> uh, different just being in a stadium with people on the sidelines instead of the stands. Yeah. It would it'd obviously be different for a lot of people. Would it be something I could tell my grandkids about, you know, 30 years from now being a, being a guy in the media covering a game where fans couldn't attend that, that would be something for me personally to talk about, but it's, I, I don't know. I don't know Pete, where, where this thing where this thing ends, uh, yeah. I, I really don't. I, and, and I don't know what the best scenario is for college football right now. I just know that if if they can't play this season, it's it's going to help. It, it's going to hurt the universities more than anything. It, it's it's going to set them back a year. And I think that's why you even you even got the possibility of them playing in the spring. But when I when I've talked to some coaches about it, if you if you play a play in the spring, you obviously got to start sometime in November, December. Hopefully, 
finish up your your season in in, in March or early April, then you've got only, you only have a a couple months before you have to start the whole grind again. Mm-hmm. So that's something that they've got to look at. Uh, starting in January, February, you're ending the season in May, and then you're turning right back around two months later and starting the the following season. So it's it's one thing that I know they're the athletic directors. All the leaders of college football are, are, you know, actively talking about. But I'm like you, I, you know, the, the day they announce something will be the the day we all find out. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I don't think any I don't think anyone can really pinpoint what what's going to happen go, going forward. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Clark, Horn Frog Blitz, great to get the insight, Jeremy. Appreciate the time as always, man, and uh, stay safe in Fort Worth. Pete, thanks so much, man. You guys stay safe as well. Jeremy Clark, hornfrogblitz.com, does great work covering TCU. Always appreciate his time and uh, look forward to talking to him again soon. So, guys, please take a second out, leave that rating, review, subscribe. We'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. If you do that, uh, just send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon.